0: All right, well, let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to go back to the book of Matthew. That's our series on Sunday mornings, Matthew chapter number 13, if you'd stand in honor of God's word. Matthew in chapter number 13, I do want to express gratitude to to our church family for the way that you helped host the uh, college days and had so many here on Wednesday night. It's a real blessing and had a good college day. sure thank the Lord for that. So thank you for giving up your pew uh, for somebody to come and be here and... uh, being able to be a part so thank the lord for that <clears throat> haven't heard official number no we had over 600 register that's a high number for us 93 i believe it was 93 churches so i'm glad god's doing a work in young people's lives and and that they're listening to him it's a real blessing okay we're in uh matthew chapter number 13 and uh verse number one i I, um, this is a, a lengthy chapter. We're just going to read through verse number 23. As you see, it goes 58 verses long. We'll explain more about the chapter as we get into it. So right now, let's just read. And, and uh, I want you to notice in verse number one, that it, that it says this the same day. Do you see that? Yeah. So, th- so that, that means and we've got to understand what day that was. When the Bible makes a reference, time reference like that, then it, It behooves us to pay attention there. So it says, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Can you you see it in your mind's eye? I mean, there's so many people there. The best thing you could do to get even amplification and a little separation from the the crowd is to sit in a boat and to speak to them. And and so now he's doing that. And here's what he says in verse number three. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprung up and, or because they had no deepness of earth. Some, and, and I'm sorry, uh, I'm still reading verse six. <laughs> And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Look at verse number 9. How often we see Jesus or hear Jesus saying this. Who hath ears to hear? wonder here today. Who hath ears to hear? Got your ears on? (laughs) Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. So it is possible to have ears to hear and yet not hear. Is that right? Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. Verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. For, he explains, verse number 12, For whosoever hath to him shall be given. Okay, let let me pause and let me just ask. uh, Whosoever hath what? Well, whosoever in the context, whosoever hath revelation. Ears to hear. Thank you, Brother Cecil. Brother Cecil's always helping me over here. I appreciate it. Whosoever hath ears to hear, whosoever hath revelation, to him shall be given. All right, now watch this though. And... He shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not, hath not what? Hath not ears to hear, hath not revelation. Whosoever hath not, watch this, from him, from that individual, him or her, from, but here it is, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Now that, that's, that ought to be sobering to all of us in the way that we listen. Now, there's a context of this, and we're going to have to be careful in dealing with it, and we're going to do so by God's good grace and with His help. Verse 13, let's keep reading here. Therefore I speak to them, the crowd, the multitude, therefore I speak to them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled... The prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah, we would say, Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10, if my memory serves me right, that's the context there. He's, Jesus says this, In them, in this generation, in this multitude, is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see and not perceive. And he explains as to why. lest you should think that this is Calvinistic predestination type thinking. Like God chose some and not choosing others. That's not what he's saying here. There's not a Calvinist verse in the Bible. How's that? <laughs> There's not. Not one reformed verse in the Bible. Unless you deform it. Verse 15, he explains, for this people's heart is waxed gross, dull of hearing, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes, they have, what? Closed. Who's closed it? They have. They have closed. Lest at any time, they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted. (laughs) And I should heal them. So it's obvious God's desire is to do so. Notice what he says in verse 16, but blessed be your eyes... For they see and your ears for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Hey by the way you and I are privileged to see and hear these things that like Isaiah wanted to look into. He wrote it down, God used him, but he didn't understand everything he wrote. But you and I do because of the way that it was fulfilled. All right, verse 18, we still doing all right? I'm trying not to preach all the message while you're standing up. I still got more to preach, but believe it or not, when you sit down. Let's just read verse 18 through 23. Here we go. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he that receives seed by the wayside. But he that receiveth seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth or endureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that rece- heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. And which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. What a passage. So, how about today you take a hearing test? How about today we all, would you would you please? Some of you here every week, every single week. Uh, but we better be careful the way that we're hearing. Spiritual hearing test. Do you hear what you're hearing? Do you hear what you're hearing? Do you hear what you're hearing? A spiritual hearing test. May God bless the reading of His Word as your seat. I sure do appreciate the way that you stood and <clears throat> honor of God's Word here this morning. Hearing is only hearing when it's acted upon. Hearing is only hearing when it's acted upon. How many of you have had somebody say to you, Did you hear me? (laughs) Did you hear me? Now, Uh, that brings back memories from my childhood. Did you hear me? (laughs) Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Now I'm saying that. Right? You know those things that you say, I'll never say that when I'm a parent. Now you're saying it, right? Did you hear what I said? Did you hear me? And it's amazing. I mean, as kids, uh, you know, or even as adults, you can hear it and yet not really hear it. I mean, I mean, Physiologically, everything is working like it's supposed to be. And yet something's not registering. Did you hear me? <laughs> um, how many of you as husbands have been told this? I told you that. <laughs> uh, guilty as charged. Look here. Guilty. I, I told you. that. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Okay. Did you hear the call? You know, to come to the table. And man, you can be so wrapped up in whatever you're doing outside or inside. And did did you did you hear Mom call you? I mean, and and uh, I, I don't know who in the right mind wouldn't come to the table, anyways, right? Um, hearing is only hearing when you act upon it. Okay, all of us have probably have been there where you're on a long road trip, and then you hear that that th- 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 I can't reenact it exactly. But you're on that strip and it's reminding you to drive while awake, right? You hear that and you, whoa, huh? roll the window down, get some sunflower seeds, get some more coffee or do something, right? Eat an apple, they say an apple. Anyways, they're not here to help with sleeping advice, but <laughs> it's all, you're only hearing that when you're acting upon it, right? Okay. Hearing the siren. Now, we kind of get used to it. Um, Saturday noon the tornado siren goes off that's the that's the lunch bell you know everybody's out door knocking and they're out making visits and you hear that oh man we got to get back it's time to be in it's but it's it's the weekly testing of the tornado siren to make sure that we're ready for that but hearing is only hearing when you act upon it so you know obviously if you hear the tornado siren going off on a Oh, say a Saturday night or, or some, well, usually it's right around church time. So <laughs> Sunday night at six o'clock or, you know, Wednesday night. I mean, there's other times obviously that it comes, but hearing is only hearing when you act upon it. Nineteen times in this chapter, the verb hear is used in Matthew 13 alone. Nineteen different times. Hear hear, hear. And Jesus is saying, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So I know that we know this, but I believe it is good for us to be reminded that it is very important that we all learn to listen to God, to listen when God speaks to us. One individual said one of the most important lessons in life is that you and I can learn how to listen to God in our complex and hectic lives. Nothing is more urgent. Nothing is more necessary. Nothing is more rewarding than hearing what God has to say to us. This text is obviously emphasizing hearing and and we've come here to a very pivotal chapter In Matthew's uh, gospel, the good news that he's presenting that, yes, we're all sinners, but but God sent his son. This is the good news. And so for the first 12 chapters, he's been presenting who Jesus is, what he said, his words, his preaching. I'm so glad God preserved it for all of us. And preserved for us also the miracles that Jesus did as he healed the blind and the blind rather, and the lame and caused the deaf to hear and ro- raise the dead back to life again. I mean to tell you, there's so many things that Jesus did and, and in performing those miracles and, and he, he was casting out demons. In fact, chapter 12, and what I want to do right here is, is deal with why it says the same day. The same day all this went on as he left the house and he went out to the seaside to speak to them further and to speak to the multitudes, well, the same day, is the day in which he cast out this demonic being in the house and the scribes and the Pharisees. They accused him falsely of doing so by the power of Beelzebub, prince of the the demonic beings. They said, you've done this by demonic power. And Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so they had this confrontation. and, And so then the Jews, the religious leaders there said, well, show us a sign. Like he hadn't been showing them a sign, raising the dead, healing the blind, the lame, the the hearing, the deaf, able to hear. I mean, show us a sign. They said, show us a sign and then we'll believe. And Jesus made it very clear that he was not going to perform for them upon their demands. But he said this, he said, one sign will be given to you. And that's the sign of Jonah, the prophet, who was three days and three nights in the well's belly. So shall, so shall the son of man be in the heart of the earth or in the grave is what he's conveying there. That he would be in the grave three nights, three, three days, three nights, and he would come forth alive. That'll be the sign. If I rise again from the dead, then you better believe everything else that I said. There's your sign if you want a sign. Unbelief carries serious consequences. As he says, uh, Jonah preached to Nineveh a group of Gentiles, and they repented, and a greater than Jonah's was here. The queen of Sheba came all the way from probably the area of Yemen or somewhere right around that area of Africa and traveled all that far to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And this is a Gentile woman again. And, and he, says that, he says that these religious leaders, listen, listen now, who have the temple, who have the priesthood, who have the scriptures, who have the law, who have all these sacrifices, who have all this evidence. And he says to them, listen, here's a Gentile woman who came to to Jerusalem and was amazed at the wisdom of Solomon. And I'm telling you, a greater than Solomon is here. And he's he's referring to himself. And yet they were in unbelief. And then he gives a, a very amazing illustration, if you remember this, as he describes how that... A demon that leaves a man and seeks a place to, to reside. this individual in this in Jesus illustration, is uh, possessed by and dwelt by a demonic being, a real live demonic being, and then he leaves that body, leaving it empty. And goes through all the earth of the wilderness to find another body to inhabit. But it comes back to that that same one that was once inhabited. And he finds it, watch this, he finds it clean, he finds it swept, and he found it garnished, decorated. And he takes to himself seven other demons and they have a move-in party. And what, what that is, you say? Well, what in the world was that? What was Jesus trying to convey there? He's giving a picture of Israel. Who watched this? Who was clean? They were swept. They were decorated. Remember that. I realize some of this is, is review for the majority of our church, but, but they were in their garb, they were in their robes, they were in their regalia, they were, they were in the pride of Judaism, they were God's people, they were the Jews. How dare this young Jewish rabbi tell us that we're not right with God? They had reformation for him, but they did not have regeneration. And reformation is enough to decorate you, but it's not enough to save you. And you can try to clean your life up and, and make yourself a better person. But I'm telling you, until the Son of God moves in, the Spirit of God moves in to live within you, then the last part of you is going to be the worst in the beginning. That's what Jesus taught. Here was Judaism. Here were these religious Jews. And they had, they had white-gloved their life, so to speak, and yet they were still empty because religion apart from relationship with God, will leave you empty. It may make you look clean on the outside, friend, but it can never fill you. And that's what Jesus is getting across to them. And and they've heard this. And so then it says, and oh, hang on, wait a minute. The last part of it was that his mother came and his brothers came. And they said, hey, Jesus, your your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to see you. And, And Jesus said, who is my mother and who is my brother? Except those that hear the word of God and do it. And so he says, whosoever hears it and does it, whosoever basically is trusting him as Savior, whosoever, that's my mother, that's my brother. In other words, here's what he's saying. Your earthly human relationships is not enough to make you right with God. You've got to be born again into God's family. And thus it is indeed a whosoever will gospel. And then it says this, the same day. The same day, the same day that he taught all that. What has he been emphasizing? Hang on. Is everybody still with me here? Is everybody following along? Are you tracking this? I mean, it's. I think it's very important that we not zone out. I mean, it's. Listen, gracious. It's only 22. We got plenty of time. Don't don't tune out now. You you gotta get this. And and here he's saying you've had all this religious privilege. You've had all this benefit. You've heard so much. You've heard it over and over again. In fact, you've heard it so much that you're hardened. The same day same day he went out, and, and because opposition was growing within the city, he went out into the countryside. He went out into the wilderness. He went out there to the the Sea of Galilee and began to teach them. And he said this: He said, a sower went forth to sow, and, and he sowed the seed, and and as he sowed, some fell on the wayside. As they had their fields, they would have little paths that would go in the fields where they could work, and and it was after much usage they go. You know, I mean, like you've been to your grandparents' house and you walk out there in the in the field and you keep walking that same path then it's going to kind of wear it down and it's going to be hardened and so the sower would go out and he would take that seed and he would sow that seed indiscriminately and just sow the seed and sow the seed and some fell on one of those paths and it was hardened because of frequent use some fell on stony ground uh, where uh, Angie's family lives in Bowling Green, Kentucky is called uh, Rockfield can you imagine why it's called Rockfield? Rockfield well, because there's a lot of bedrock there and it's near the surface and so it's rather shallow and, and uh, uh, so it's there and similar to this, it was stony ground, some fell on stony ground. Some though fell among the thorns and the thorns bushes came up and choked that seed or that sprout that would have come up and choked it out so that it was you know, competing for its nutrients and so it, the weed won out. Isn't it amazing right here in Oklahoma how well weeds can grow? But then he took that seed and he sowed it among and, and he sowed it out and some fell on good ground and it was very fruitful and some brought out a hundredfold. I mean, a lot of, uh, we might say it this way right here in Oklahoma, a bumper crop, a hundredfold, some sixtyfold. some 30 fold. Well, the multitude left and the disciples were left. And they said, What does that mean? You ever been reading your Bible and you had one of those moments, I wonder what that meant? That's where they were. What does this mean? Okay, wait a minute. Here's two groups. On one hand, you have the crowd, you have the multitude. On the other hand, you have the disciples. The disciples get more insight because they ask. The multitude goes on their way because some of them are hardened, some of them are shallow, some of them are distracted, but here's some good ground right here, okay? It's a parable. Now you need to know and understand what a parable is. The word parable means cast alongside of, like a, uh, you know, like a parallel, here it is, a parable, it's cast alongside of. It's an it's a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a object lesson. It's an object lesson. You know, uh, Wednesday night we've been going through the book of Philippians and we had an object lesson with filters. It's an object lesson. So this is an object lesson using something that they would be very, very familiar with in terms of the sower and the seed and, and, all, and all that Jesus described. They, they would, As a, an agrarian society, they would have been very familiar with that. Uh, and so he was connecting with them to help them understand some things about the kingdom of heaven. It's a parable. It's a teaching to help them to get it. And Jesus was asked by his disciples, first of all, before they asked, you know, what does this mean? They actually asked this. Look, look, let's look back at verse number 10 because verses 10 through 17 is really the part of the text that I really want to bear out here today so that all of us can see this. He, they asked him this, why speakest thou unto them in parables? Why are you using parables? Why are you, why are you using this teaching, preaching method? Look what he says in verse 11. He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, let's pause right there. He's not saying it's given unto you to know that I'm the Messiah. He says, it's given unto you who have already accepted me as the Messiah to know now the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now it's very important that we understand this because, hang on, it is God's will that everybody understand that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. He wants that to be known. It is is the will of God that all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what he wants. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He wants all people to understand that he is the Messiah. And for 12, hang on, for 12 chapters... He has been presenting the fact that he is indeed the Messiah. They've heard it and heard it and seen it and seen it and heard it and seen it and heard it and seen it and heard it and seen it and yet rejected it. Isn't that right? That's the reason I backed all the way up to chapter 12 to show us that here they were at a place where Jesus had taught them so many things, did so many miracles, and yet they still were demanding a sign to believe that he was indeed the Messiah. And he says, I'm going to give you that sign of the resurrection. And so he's going to go on, but but you've got to, we've got to understand right here at this point that he has presented the opportunity for them to hear and to believe, and they rejected it. And rejected it and rejected it and rejected it. And the more that you reject it, the greater danger you're in. Okay, let me, let me illustrate it here right quick before we move on, all right? Because we, we need to understand this because if you don't, then you're going to misunderstand verses 10 through 17. And you're going to think things like, well, there's Calvinism right there. John Calvin was a man that said that, that you know, God had an elect group that he's going to save and then he predestinated everybody else to go to hell. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God so loved the world, That's all people, everybody. That's you, that's me. He died for all. Calvinists have a hard time with passages like 2 Peter chapter two and verse number one, where they're denying the Lord that bought them. That's false teachers. that deny the Lord that bought, bought, paid in full for them. You say, "What, what do you mean paid in full for them? Well, are you following this? Calvinists say that he died only for the elect. It's a limited atonement. He only died for certain people. Peter said, uh-uh. Okay, now he didn't write out say, uh-uh. But when you read 2 Peter chapter 2, and verse number 1, that, he's saying, uh-uh, to that. You know why? Because he's saying these false prophets are denying, they're rejecting, they're resisting the one who paid the price for them. I'm telling you today, based on the authority of the Word of God, we are on absolutely solid ground to say that it is an unlimited atonement that Jesus died Absolutely, for all, therefore all can be saved. That is the Bible truth. But here it is, this group of individuals that have rejected the message and rejected the message. Now, I want to say this as well before we move on, because there could be somebody here that has heard the gospel and heard the gospel. By the way, I want to thank God that he's a merciful and a slow to anger God and a gracious God that gives us more than one opportunity to hear the gospel. Some of you heard the gospel for many, many years before you were saved. Some of you, you just grew up hearing the gospel, but one time you understood the gospel and you were saved. Thank God for that. But it may be that someone is here and and God is, figuratively, let let me do it this way. He's extending to you the opportunity to trust His Son. Again, today, I'm telling you, you are not here by accident. You are here because a loving God cares about you and wants to save you. The illustration I was getting to. Was this? Says, have you ever been on a on a river on a creek where where there's a tire swing and you know you're swinging out you know over the over the river and then you let go or are you following me here? And so you, you maybe you're on the ledge and your buddies are over here and they're gonna swing that tire t- to you and and you're you're on the you're on the on the cliff here and you're supposed to reach out and grab it. But if you're like me and you have fear of heights, even though your dad was a lineman climbing poles, because fear of heights and, and non-fear of heights is not hereditary. It didn't get passed down to my genes, you know. I, anyways, I, I, this is this is high enough for me right here. But you have that tire swing uh, swung to you. It's coming to you. The best time to reach out and grab it is when it's real close. Have you had those times where you think? Ah. And listen, unless they swing it to you again, the more you wait, the further and further away it gets. Until it comes to a point where there's no chance for you to reach it. What I'm trying to illustrate today is the text. Because in this text, it's as though Jesus, figuratively speaking, obviously here, has... Given them the offer of salvation and the Jews have said. And it's gotten further and further and further from them. He came to his own, but his own received him not. They're hardened. They're wrapped up in themselves. They've got riches. They've got position. It's choking out the word. Some responded, oh man, this is wonderful. But then when the Pharisees came with opposition, they faded back into the background and said, well, maybe not. Unbelief. The whole chapter is about unbelief. Now, I I believe that there is opportunity for us as believers even to gain some real good lessons right here about how we listen to God. But in the context of it, it's about belief and unbelief. It's about who Jesus is and whether or not you've accepted Him. That's step one. Okay, now look at the next verse here. In verse number 11, he says, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, and to them it is not given. In other words, these things are spiritually discerned and they're not ready for it yet. First Peter, sorry, 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 2 talks about things that are spiritually discerned and that the natural man cannot receive because they're spiritually discerned. But when a person does trust Christ as Savior and the Spirit of God moves within, then you can understand His Word. Before that, you're not going to understand everything. and, And it only makes sense that you would not until you accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Okay, look at verse number 12. For whosoever hath to him shall be given and he that hath shall have more in abundance. Whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. That's what he's saying right there. He's he's saying this, listen, to you it's given because you've received me as your savior. You've received me as your Lord. You've received me as your Messiah. There's gonna be other things that you don't understand. And when you don't understand, all you gotta do is just ask and study my word and you'll understand more and more and more and more. But if you reject him, even that which you have will be taken from you. What is that? That that is God judiciously, righteously saying, you can reach a point where you put yourself in a place where you're not hearing from Him. God, in Romans 1, gave them over unto their own lust. Romans chapter 1. There's a lot of passages that bear this out. Isaiah 6 is going to bear it out. We'll let Jesus do that. Let's just keep reading here. Look at verse number 13. Hey, listen, I know this isn't easy stuff. I know this isn't, you know, pleasant stuff. I know this isn't like typical feel-good Christianity Sunday morning type stuff where everybody just gets pumped up about how good you are. We're not here to do that. We're here to see what Jesus says about who you are and, and how much danger you're in without Him. All right, there was the little commercial verse 13 therefore i speak to them in parables because they see and see not hearing hear not neither do they understand and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of isaiah which said by hearing you shall see and not understand seeing you shall see and not perceive for this people's heart is waxed gross and their eyes are dull or sorry their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should See, should hear, should understand, and should be converted, and I would heal them. Hey, listen, it's not that they can't believe, it's that they won't believe. Well, this prophecy was given seven 700 years prior to Jesus coming when Isaiah was preaching to the Jews and, and and to Israel at that time and God sent him and and told him to go and preach to a rebellious Israel who was no longer listening to God. Listen to this, hang on. Is everybody still following along right here? He'd sent prophet after prophet after prophet to preach to them, to call them to repentance for their own good and they didn't listen to God and they didn't listen to God and they didn't listen to God and, to God, and, to God, and the North Northern kingdom went into Assyrian captivity and they began to hear a strange language, the Assyrian language. And here's why, because when you don't listen to God, you start hearing a strange language. You get in a place where you never thought you would be, hearing people talk like you never thought they'd talk. And then the Jews that were in the southern kingdom, they also rejected God's message and messengers. And some of them they stoned, and some of them they exiled, and some of them they beat. And, and they basically were saying this, we've heard this all of our life. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, Good night. get done, preachers, almost 12 now. That's how they were. I'm not saying that's how you are, but that's how they were. Hardened. Hardened. So much benefit in their life. Hardened. You say, preacher, man, they're blind. They can't see. What do you expect? You know why they're blind? The text told us. I don't see it. I don't see what you're saying. I don't see what you're talking about. I don't see... I don't see. This is dangerous right here. I'm. <laughs> Where is that? Okay. We, we've had individuals here in our church who are blind, but this isn't a this isn't a blindness of physical dimension. This is a willful blindness. I'm not seeing that you're the Messiah. And here's why they were not seeing it because they did not want to see that He was the Messiah. And that same thing happens today among individuals who know, who understand that if I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that I'm on my way to hell and that I know that He's the Savior, but right now I'm not ready to receive Him. I don't want to receive Him. I don't want to believe. This is just a bunch of made-up stuff that some some groups have made up. This is just a man-made thing that just like everything else. And what about the resurrection? I don't want to see that because if you see it, then you have to acknowledge that it's true. And they willfully close their eyes and say things like, Man is a product of evolution, and, and a big bang took place, and that's how we're all here, just randomly. They are willfully blind. Are you following the, the analogy here? And it could be someone here today that you are willfully blind. You know what God is saying to you. You know that God is speaking to you. And even after you're saved, there's a way that even you can do that. I don't mean you lose your salvation, but you can have God speaking to you and speaking to you. Are you listening to me here today? He could be speaking to you, trying to get your attention trying to get you to do right and get you to do his will and yet you're saying, no, I'll do what I want to do. I'm telling you, friend, listen, even in a believer's life, there comes a time when you cross a line because he would heal you. He would save any, and back in the context of Matthew 13, he would save any, he would heal them. By his stripes we are healed, Isaiah would say, and Peter would echo that. By his stripes we are healed, I should heal them. But then he says, oh, I love verse number 16. Blessed are your eyes and they see. Blessed are your ears for they hear. Many prophets, verse 17, and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Oh, church, would you help us would you would you listen today? Then listen. We should never grow weary of things that we are privileged to see and privileged to hear every single week. Even if we preach John three sixteen every single Sunday, I'm telling you, it still ought to be just as beautiful to us as the very first time that we heard it because we were wretched sinners that could not save ourselves. But He died in your place and He died in my place. I'm telling you, let us never tarry. No, let us never be weary. Rather, or just like ho oh, hum. Oh, come on. Oh no. Otherwise, we get like that that hard ground, that stony ground that choked out ground listen you ought to be good ground see these parables are given to cause us to face ourselves to see what kind of ground we are to see what kind of recipients we are wait a minute because here's the here's the fact of the matter it was the same sower and the same seed in all four same sower same seed same sower same seed all four of them same sower same sower jesus same seed the word four different responses and while the emphasis you know, seems to be on the other three, and we've emphasized those because it's certainly in the context, the real emphasis is because he's speaking to his disciples because everybody else expected that the kingdom of God would come with power and great glory. And Revelation 19, it will come with power and great glory when he comes on that great white charger, that great white horse, and sets up his literal kingdom. This does not mean that there's some kind of a spiritual kingdom and to the neglect of a physical kingdom. No, but they didn't understand. It was a mystery to them, but it's revealed to his disciples that the kingdom of God is going to come in incrementally. It's going to come in quietly. They didn't understand churches like Southwest Baptist Church and other churches that he started. To them, it was a mystery this whole period of time where local churches are carrying out the great commission of our lord and savior jesus christ they did not get it but you and i are privileged to get it and some bring forth a hundredfold and some bring forth sixtyfold and some bring forth thirtyfold in other words it falls on good ground and we're supposed to analyze ourselves as to what kind of ground are you See, the reason why it's so important that you hear what God has to say to you is because the way that you listen reveals the condition of your heart. This parable that Jesus told, it did not, the sowing of the seed did not make the ground that way. It only revealed what kind of ground it was. And how the word of God hits you How the Word of God lands on your heart does not make your heart that way. It only reveals what kind of heart you have. The reason you ought to be careful in the way that you listen is because not only does it reveal the condition of your heart, but it also determines this, the outcome of your life. sitting here today and you've heard He came to save you and you say not me. He's extending the opportunity to you. If you reject it and reject it and reject it you go through your whole life rejecting it. You'll die without Christ and go into eternity in a place called hell that will become the lake of fire that will be cast in the lake of fire and you'll spend all of eternity without Him. That's what the Word of God says. You say I don't see that. It doesn't matter whether you see it or not, friend, it's true. And you need Him in your life. It must be applied, first of all, to those that are unbelievers to recognize, you know, I've been, I've been against Him and I, I, I've been resisting Him. I need to be open to salvation. If that's you today, you, you're hearing God speak to you today. And you ought to have ears to hear and be some of that good ground that says, I see it now. I need Him to save me. I just want to take a second to go into that application though to, believe, to believers to say this to you. How the Word of God hits your heart reveals the condition of your heart. This is a secondary application. I totally get it. I get the context. I get that. I understand that. But is it not true that we also can become hardened towards what God's trying to say to us? And is it not true that we can be rather shallow in our responses to God? And is it not also true that the cares of this world and the riches of this world and all the stuff of this world can also choke out what God's trying to do in our lives? And isn't it true that He deserves for us to be the kind of ground that would bring forth fruit? Certainly it is. Then you ought to let this allow you to analyze what kind of heart do I have towards God? Because the way that you listen to Him also determines the outcome of your Christian life by way of secondary application here, by way of you saying, you know, I want God to use my life. Well, if you're not listening to Him, and remember, hearing is only hearing when you act upon it. But if you're not willing to act upon it, and you're just kind of playing Christianity, or let me say it this way, church entity. and it kind of makes you feel better, Being in church, and you're just here because you're supposed to be here, you're not having the fruitful life that God wants you to have. How about today you say, I'm going to start listening to what He has to say to me, and I'm going to act on it. Did you hear what I said to you? God's calling you to His table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Huh? God's calling you to His table. How rude of me or my boys if mom has worked so hard on a dinner and we're in there watching the game saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we need to say... That's a lot better. I guarantee it. But also it could be going out to you this way. It's like you've kind of fallen asleep spiritually. And you've veered off out of God's will. And you've hit that rumble strip. And it's like God's trying to get your attention. Hey, you better get back where you ought to be. Are you hearing what you're hearing? This is your spiritual hearing test. Man, I wish... We could just go individually right here, all of us. Are you listening? Are you listening? Or are you just getting through another Sunday morning service? Because otherwise you could be deceiving yourself, thinking that you've done your Christian service just because you've attended church today. There's so much more than that. To stand together here today. <clears throat> this is the pivotal part of Matthew's gospel. It is truly that which separates the crowd from the disciples. Literally, in this text, the crowd went one way and the disciples went another. I'm asking you today, are you just part of the crowd or are you one of His disciples? First of all, have you trusted Him as your Savior? Second of all, if He is your Savior, are you listening to Him, friend? We're going to pray and then have our invitation. If you ought to come, you've heard His voice. Don't harden your heart. You listen to Him. Humble yourself. Father, these passages they confront us and we need it. I pray that you'd help us Lord. Dear God with the vast majority of the congregation being believers my inclination inclination is to make application strongly there and and rightfully so. God as you know even as believers we can grow dull in our hearing. But certainly this text is about the rejection of the self-righteous Jews. But it's also, God, if I understand it right, about how that when Your Word is preached, it'll fall on good ground. And certainly it did in the lives of the disciples and then it grew exponentially as the church in Jerusalem began to grow and then started other churches. It did just like what you said it would do. But this is the key, Lord, to understand the rest of what's to come in chapter 13. Help us, Lord, I pray our understanding to answer so many questions for us if we'll pay good attention to it. Pray that you'd help us though right now just simply to make application about the way that we're listening to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin to sing with the choir, Jesus is calling, page 257, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, are you listening?